Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. The one and only Stephen A. Smith. Good Thursday morning, and I would imagine in Dub Nation, it is not. They are holding their breath. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. Bart Scott in the house for our man, Jay, who will be back with us tomorrow. Jay was front and center on the draft last night, and that's what last night should have been about. Today, we should be talking about free agency tomorrow. Training camps, December 1, the NBA almost back. But hang on, fellas. Everything is on hold. Clay Thompson suffering an injury in Southern California yesterday. They're calling it a right leg injury. The Warriors led by a contingent of head coach Steve Kerr and the trainers on the way from NoCal to SoCal where he'll have an MRI today. The last time we heard from Clay Thompson, game six of the 2019 finals, almost a year and a half ago, left the game with an ACL injury. And now the first time we hear about him again, Key, it's another injury. Some word from our insider, Brian Windhorst, that with the NBA expediting the season to start at December 22nd, possibly could have forced Clay back out there to ramp it up just a little bit quicker than he wanted. But at the same token, it's been a year and a half. You can't really have it both ways, but we'll wait to see what the severity is. 17 months is a long time. It's a long time. And and I would think that, He's taking his time, and he knows his body better than we do. Sure. Uh, anytime you have a lower body injury, and you you tend to compensate. So I'm if I'm not a doctor, but I can bet you it had something to do with compensating from his ACL on his left leg. And so now whatever the injury is on his right leg, it certainly has something to do with that. And I think, you know, you feel bad for Clay. obviously. There's no question about it because he's a phenomenal talent. I couldn't wait to see him get back on the floor mm-hmm. because you knew that the Warriors would come to compete. Um, now we're waiting to find out exactly what the injury is, and we just hope and pray that it's not anything serious that he'll miss significant time. Absolutely. And just from a from a basketball standpoint, he's somebody that can take the load off of Curry. He's somebody that spaced the floor, one of the best shooters, you know, Splash Brothers in the league, but also – his impact is going to be missed and lost on the defensive side of the ball because he's one of the best defenders, on ball point. defenders. Great point. You know, in NF, I mean, in the NBA, and that's going to be missed as well. So now that's just puts more on Wiggins' plate to be that athletic wing defender. And I don't know if he can if he can handle that type of load. And that would be Andrew Wiggins, who they picked up. So their key are coming off a fifteen and fifty season. They had such a bad season they weren't actually even invited to the bubble. Remember, there are eight teams. That's like, <laughs> right. You're not even good enough to Anybody be in the, the bubble. bubble. Right. No, they were not. They were not good by design. Yeah. I, outside of the injuries, sure. they were not good by design. Like they didn't. It was just like whatever. But what they was, were hoping Steph well, yeah, back, Clay yeah. back. But we don't. Re- Steph went down, Reisman. so they were just but like forget. We it. don't recognize his team right now, right? Because the strength of this team has always been the depth of their bench. Right, Livingston, Eagle Dollar. So now, you know, even if you got the the big three back together, you know that they had to build a back end of this roster. So now, what do you do now? That's what last year was all about. It wasn't about they didn't get they didn't want to rush Curry back. They didn't care about Draymond. They kind of took a year off, said, "Hey, we had a run. Let's reset. Let's reload." And now they built the back end of this roster with Bowman, with Looney. All those guys got experience. This was the time for them to go ahead and say, "Okay, yeah, you were saying this, you were saying that. We're back." Now this one just makes you wonder what happens with this long, big, you know, contract that they have and what his future is in the future. Could he come back from this and be a dominant player? Mm-hmm. Free agency starts tomorrow. Information the Warriors will probably get at some point today on whatever the right leg injury is. I wonder if they will become players now based on the injury. Will they become players in free agency and not worry about the financial ramifications of Clay's contract or whoever else that You're- they go out there and get? New arena too, right? So you know, you know, you're not selling tickets, but you know, you want to put, you know. Yeah, I don't think they worried about money though. Money is the least of their worries. Yeah. They got plenty of money. Yeah, yeah. plenty. 
owned by Joe Lacob, who actually just celebrated his 10th year owning the Warriors, one of the richest guys out there in Northern California, made a lot of money. Plus big money partners, too. Indeed. The Chase Center, the second-year arena, one of the most lavish arenas in the NBA. We'll wait to see if there's any fans out there this season. We'll wait to see if Clay Thompson will ever take the floor again this season at the Chase Center. So it sets up an interesting situation, Key, because right now, what are 24 hours for an organization? You guys both play for multiple organizations. If you're the Warriors, I got to spend my time thinking about the draft. They picked up James Wiseman, the young kid out of Memphis, with the second overall pick. We got to focus on the draft. We have to draft and develop. We have a huge big money contracts for the big three. So they're thinking about that. And then right a couple hours before the draft with an unbelievable double whammy (laughs) with the Clay Thompson news. Can you imagine what it would be like to be in the Warriors front office yesterday trying to navigate all this? Well, you're sitting there in the the war room, I'm sure, or they're getting a text or a phone call and they – Right, look down. It's like you know one whoa. of those. What just whoa? It was probably a whole bunch of other stuff. Some other words. There's other words that I can't say <laughs> on Disney, but you know it, it's you 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 think about it. You're like, okay, so maybe the Wiseman pick wasn't there originally for them at two. They may have thought, okay, maybe we package that up with Wiggins and maybe some other stuff, and we get something else in return that we like to fit what we want to do. Right. But as soon as this injury happened, they said, okay, we. Here's our fallback plan. We, we want a big, here's a young guy with a lot of talent, a lot of upside. Let's take him at two. Free agency starts on Friday. If something is seriously wrong with Clay, let's allocate these dollars that we have available to go get some of these other guys that's sitting around that will give us what we think we need. Fair enough. The story of the decade, the last decade in the NBA, was the Golden State Warriors. The team of this year... In college football, no doubt the biggest breakout stars are these fellas. And he fires it down the field and making a tremendous catch, Fry Fogle, and he's going to dance to the end zone. Touchdown, Indiana. Ty Fry Fogle turned around, made the catch, spun again, and goes 65 yards for the score. I'll tell you what, if you've been watching some Indiana football, Fry Fogle has been making some. Big, big time grabs. I think he had, might have had the catch of the year. A beautiful one-hander a couple of weeks ago. And the guy that is coaching Fry Fogle and everyone else is Tom Allen. He is Indiana's football coach. He has put together an amazing last couple of years. And he joins us this morning on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. That was Don Fisher from Learfield IMG College. That was his voice, the voice of Tom Allen now. And Tom, you guys are getting ready for a gigantic game with Ohio State. I've followed you for a long time. You were a high school coach for 15 years, man, if anybody paid their dues, you have 15 years in high school, eventually getting this gig, and it's all coming to fruition. You're a top 10 team. What's it been like just building this program into a team that is now challenging Ohio State for the moment for Big Ten supremacy? Well, appreciate you having me on the show. It's just been a, a slow, deliberate, continuous process of a lot of belief, a lot of hard work, um, a lot of recruiting and the player development, which is what it's all about. And our guys have just bought in and step, step by step, day by day, have just kept getting a little bit better. Coach, you took over a program amid controversy after Kevin Wilson left to become the Ohio State Buckeyes offensive coordinator. What big changes did you make, or if any at all, when you took over? 
Well, you know, I just felt like we had to change the mindset, you know, and uh, I understood the history. I'm born and raised in Indiana, high school coach in the state for many years, as was just stated, and, and just knew uh, what we'd been in the past. And I, and I just felt so strong that we could create something special here, and, and we just had to change the way we think. And, and uh, before there's a reality, there's mentality, and it all starts in your mind, in your mindset. So we had to change the way our players, you know, what they expected, and we had to create belief. And that's been a slow process, but it's just been building step by step and day by day. And you talk about expectations and expectations is now that you guys can legitimately compete for this conference, but also what a win over Ohio State would do for the program and also recruiting. How big is this game this week for all those things I just mentioned? It's, it's a huge opportunity. Uh, no different, though, than uh, week one, you know, playing the eighth-ranked Penn State Nittany Lions and what that created, uh, opportunity that presented itself. And then, the, the, obviously, the, the opportunity against Michigan, the team that we hadn't beaten in, you know, since 87, you know. So it's just uh, being able to take advantage of these opportunities that, uh, that we've been able to create throughout this season. When those opportunities come, you got to seize them. And so, to me, there's a lot, a lot at stake. But it's, uh, as I told our team on Monday, it's the biggest game of the season because it's the next one. How do you keep a young group of men calm so that they're not playing the game on Thursday and Friday so that they can that you can have them in the right part where they can be popping it out of their skin on Saturday? Well, it's, we're very process-driven here, and we're focused on uh, what we're doing today. And if you want to create long-term change, you, you change what you do on a daily basis. And that's what we've been trying to, 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 to preach to our guys from the beginning. It's been no different this week. You know, you, you have an opportunity in front of you, and you – play the way you practice you perform the way you prepare and to me that's why it's been such a high attention to detail can't be any different than any other big week that we've been been put in here we played a lot of these games in the past uh, we just haven't had the uh, the expectation from the outside based on previous wins to be able to create a different uh, opportunity on game day so for me it's about uh, being very focused being tremendously um, attention to detail in everything that we do every single day all the way to kickoff Tom Allen, head football coach at Indiana Hoosiers, joining us here this morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Coach, I hate to bring this up, but I have to because I'm sure when you became the head coach of the Hoosiers, you didn't envision being banged up, having a black eye, and missing teeth with <laughs> celebrations throughout the course of your career. How do you handle that? What do you do? Well, my wife, you know, she thinks this is getting a little costly, so she's advised me to wear a mouthpiece. Um, don't think I can really wear a helmet when I coach, but uh, no, seriously, I just, I love these guys. Man, I see how hard they work and, and I enjoy what I do, man. I'm so blessed to be a coach and uh, I love it. And so when these guys make plays, man, I go hunt them down and jump on them. And unfortunately they're wearing a helmet and I'm not. So I've kind of been on the short end of a couple of those celebrations. Hey, I got to mention celebrating is very emotional, but you were emotional in a different way, coach. Your son, Thomas, who plays for you, suffered a season ending injury against Michigan State. Your latest victim as you guys are perfect rolling into this big game Saturday against Ohio State. I wonder how your son is doing and just what it's like to have the father son relationship on the biggest stage in the sport. Well, it's a blessing, man. It's just to have him here with us and you know, I, I wouldn't see him. If he was playing for somebody else, I'd never see him play, never see him on a daily basis. And so the time we get to spend together, it's special. You know, we don't take that for granted. And then he's been such a big part of our team. And, and you know, he forced a fumble there on Saturday. He was having a great game. And then to see him go down like that was just – it was tough, you know. And it was I knew when I walked out on the field and they told me that it was a dislocated hip that I knew that was serious and, and his season was going to be over and, and his future was in jeopardy. So, you know, I just got asked that question on Monday and – 
really wasn't expecting the, the response that way, but it just kind of hit me, you know, all the different things that we've taken to get here. It's been a long road, but it's been an awesome journey. And, and like you mentioned, 15 years in high school and many years in small college to get to this point. And he's been right there with me the whole time. And he's been, uh, uh, we've always traveled together. I've been with some head coaches that allowed him to be with us on away games. And we run out of the tunnel together at different places when he was younger. And, and uh, now to have him here as one of our players, it's just really special. And he's a tough, tough kid. He's going to have to battle through this and have a long recovery. But uh, we'll be with him together. And We'll be uh, fighting side by side. That's great stuff. Your first win since uh, 1987 against Michigan. Looking for your first win since 1988 as a program against Ohio State College Game Day live from Columbus, Saturday, 9 a.m. Eastern for the gigantic showdown between the Hoosiers and the Buckeyes. Coach, best of luck Saturday. Thanks for joining us this morning. Go get him, Coach. Uh, appreciate it, guys. Have a great day. Elio. <laughs> you got to love it. He has done a great job there. And by the way, this is how different college football is. This is three versus nine. This is a top 10 matchup, right? Two oh, yeah. top 10 teams. Oh, yeah. It's still Ohio State by 20 or 21. It just I goes know, to show just... you the domination of this team in this conference. Man, it, it... but you never know. You never know. I remember SC playing Stafford. I think we were favored by 42. 40 to 41 points. I remember yeah. that. We What's lost. your deal, man? We lost. What's your <laughs> deal? Just never know. After the game, that was right. Stanford over SC, Keys SC. So you never know. Once again, game day in the house for the big one. In the Big Ten, the big injury news in the NFL is where we're going next. Drew Brees has multiple rib rib fractures, both sides of his chest and a collapsed lung on the right side. He's going to miss some time here. The question is, how much? Look, he took a a significant hit. Certainly there's an element of recovery. So you heard the voice there of Sean Payton, the element of recovery. Could be Jameis Winston, could be Taysom Hill. Those are the options. The Saints will try to work in life without Breeze for the moment against the Atlanta Falcons Sunday in the Bayou. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. Adam Schefter joins us on the Shell Pens Oil Performance Line. Adam, good morning. What's the very latest reporting you have on Drew Breeze? Well, Zubin, again, doctors have not given Drew Breeze nor the Saints a specific timeline as to how much time he's going to miss. But we could all look at this and deduce logically that he's going to miss time, probably multiple weeks. He's a 41-year-old quarterback with five fractured ribs, two on one side, three on the other, a punctured lung. You tell me how long that's going to take to heal. I've had doctors tell me it'll take maybe to the end of the regular season. Others say he could be back in a few weeks. Nobody really knows because nobody has given Drew Brees of the Saints a specific time. With that being said, do you think the division is the division up for grabs? How much confidence is in Jameis Winston, and when do we expect to hear a starter name? Well, Bart, I would not automatically assume that it's Jameis Winston. Sean Payton has been steadfast in that he has not yet made a decision. That's what he has said, and I will take him at his word. And I know people are just automatically assuming that it's Jameis Winston starting. I am not, personally. I know how this organization feels about Taysom Hill. I know the team feels very strongly about Jameis Winston. I think it's got two options. And just like Sean Payton isn't ready to point to one, I'm not either. I don't think that we could say it's going to be Jameis Winston for sure just yet. And so we'll see what they ultimately decide. If they go with Jameis, obviously he would bring a different skill set than Taysom Hill. But Taysom Hill is somebody that this organization has been awfully high on for an awful long period of time. They love what the guy can do. We'll see what they decide to do Sunday. But, again, I'm still not sold that it's just Jameis Winston yet. Adam, let me ask you about a team that obviously beat up on the New Orleans Saints. That would be the Las Vegas Raiders. They've been repeat offenders with this COVID-19 situation. What are you hearing about the issues that it may cause for this Sunday night's game against the Chiefs? 
Well, for starters, basically they had seven players placed under the reserve COVID list yesterday. So they're shorthanded at practice. Guys are not getting the reps that they want. Uh, there are 11 players in all that are on the COVID list at this time. And so at the very least, they're going to be without Cleveland Farrell, their former first-round draft pick against the Chiefs on Sunday night. They may be without some players. But if those players have negative tests from now through the end of the week, then they'll be clear to play and they'll be eligible to play in Sunday's night, Sunday night's game against the Chiefs. Now, keep in mind, earlier in the year, we saw the NFL move a Sunday night game into the Sunday afternoon time slot and a Sunday afternoon game into the Sunday night time slot because the league was worried about possible fallout of COVID tests in that Sunday night matchup. League has not made a move yet right now. And the league says that the status of Sunday night's game has not changed. And so for the time being, it looks like Raiders Chiefs still a go on Sunday night, though the Raiders could be a little bit shorthanded in that matchup. Adam, I know you hate speculation, especially about job security with coaches around the NFL this time of year. But Matt Nagy seems to be getting some steam headed his way Will he be back next year if things don't go so well? Look, Key, I, you're right. I don't like questions like that. I don't like them before Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, to me, always signifies a time where hunting season of coaches really begins, although the boundaries have seemed to be erased in recent years, and you've seen changes made earlier than ever before. But, look, I, I think everybody's smart enough to know that if the Bears have a disappointing season, that there are going to be plenty of questions asked about a lot of people there. I don't know how it will work out. I just know that... What has happened there over the last month has not been acceptable to the people around that Bears organization. There is disappointment with how these games have gone. And if that continues going forward, those questions will come up. That speculation will continue. And we could better answer that question, I guess, about a month from now. I know you've been paying close attention to tonight's game, in particular the Seahawks. What are you hearing about their ability and how they feel about getting back on track against the Cardinals tonight? Well, here's the issue, I think, to me. When you look at the Seahawks over the last month, Russell Wilson has turned over the football more than any quarterback in the league. And so he's gone from being in the MVP conversation, which he still is, to basically denting his chances because of their struggles to hold on to the football, to not throw interceptions in the end zone, in the red zone, whatever it may be. And I think that that correlates to the fact that this team hasn't had Chris Carson for the last month. I don't think Chris Carson will play tonight. He is listed as questionable due to that midfoot injury that he suffered a month ago. He's missed the last three games. Tonight would be the fourth straight game. And I don't think it's coincidental that Russell Wilson has turned over the football a lot the last three weeks and Chris Carson hasn't played the last three weeks. They rely on him for the running game. It sets up the play action. There's been no Chris Carson. The play action has been less effective. And now tonight, it looks like Carlos Hyde and Alex Collins We'll have to try to replace the injured Chris Carson, who will get 10 more days to rest. You'd hope and think that he'd be ready after that 10-day period, but I think they've missed him an awful lot, and tonight it will be up to Mr. Hyde and Mr. Collins to help try to mitigate that loss. That's a great point that you bring up, and we should mention one of those games that Adam mentioned, the game that shifted from Sunday afternoon to Sunday night, was the first meeting between Arizona and Seattle, and here they are on the field again tonight. This is a huge game, easily the biggest game in the young career of Kyler Murray. Adam, thanks for joining us this morning. See you later, Adam. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Uh Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance.
all of our guests on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Now, Bart, this is something that you said earlier. We were talking during the commercial break when we were discussing this earlier because this is a huge game. We're talking about it on the air, off the air. He mentioned the unavailability of Chris Carson at the running right. back position, and that's something you would pinpoint. There's so much talk about Russell Wilson and the Seahawks right. defense and Kyler Murray and the win on Sunday. This particular absence could loom very large. Yeah, because it makes Russell Wilson one-dimensional and it makes them predictable as an offense. And the more times you put the ball in the air, the more you know, opportunities it is for the defense to just get a turnover. So you see Russell Wilson trying to do too much because he's been their running game and their passing game. And, oh, by the way, you, know, you talk about something else that's missing in action, their defense is missing, missing in action. So you know, I think you know, when you look at this team, nobody is asked to do more for any team in this league than Russell Wilson over this young football season as we enter the mid part in, you know, November where we, you know, try and, you know, the cream rises to the top. So I think, you know, Russell Wilson, I wonder, and I really wanted to ask Adam this, you know, does Pete Carroll get involved in the defense? Because, you know, whatever Ken Norton is drawing up isn't working and they have to re-identify that this isn't the Legion of Boom and maybe they might have to go to more a bend-don't-break type of defense and try and get guys off the field and hope and force teams to go, 10, 13 play drives to hit pay dirt. Pete certainly is involved in getting his hands uh, as part of the defense. He doesn't call it, but right. he's certainly there from a schematic standpoint, kind of leading the charge. I think that, you know, I go back and I, I always go to this. I say, well, look at the Kansas City Chiefs and look where they were. Not as bad, not as bad as Seattle's defense a year ago, but they were struggling to find hay and do some things. And this is right about the time that they started to click heading into the back half of the season, getting better and better. And by the time they got to the playoffs, it was a little more better, a little more better, a little more better. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. they became even more stout. So you just never know wh- what could happen in Seattle. Maybe this is a turning point for them in Seattle tonight against Arizona. And all of a sudden, they go and they have a lights-out game against Kyler Murray, and it's a turning point. Or Kyler Murray goes up there and turns into a Hall of Famer, and the rest is history. <laughs> but here's the difference between that Kansas City defense. They still had pass rushers. They had they – had, they had, uh, No, no, I understand. They, they had Frank Clark, and they yeah, had they no, had there's Jones. no question. No Seattle question. has no pass rushers. No question. So that means they question. have to gamble on defense and have to blitz. And that's not the typical, you know, uh, Seattle well, Carlos Dunlap, Carlos Dunlap is back now. Yeah. I mean, they're now, and Jamal Adams is back. So you would just think that with that, this is the reason they went out and got Carlos Dunlap. They acquired him immediately after the San, uh, San Francisco, after the Arizona football game. They said, okay, we got it. We can't have this dude running around and doing these sort of things the baby, like we this. We, well, putting the pat, patting him to sleep. Yeah, That's the patting baby. him to sleep, man. A different generation, patting man. Him to burping sleep. the baby. I used to hate that quarterback sit back there and put him to sleep. But you guys both raised an excellent Total point. Ball, man. You could say the two best players on Seattle's defense were both acquired via trade within a few weeks of each other, Jamal Adams, earlier before yes. the season began because they knew they had a civil-like defense. And then to add Carlos Dunlap, realizing the division was theirs, they were running away with it, hang on, now there's a three-way tie. Well, because you think about, you go back and you think about at the time that they acquired him. Kyler Murray was just beat him. Jimmy Garoppolo had a good game, and Jared Goff had a good game. They was like, uh-uh, we got to get something done, Z. Not to mention, those are the guys you got to face twice a year. On the way, one of the greatest college basketball coaches of all time is starting over, and he's joining us next. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. 
You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. The NCAA has to have a tournament this year. I think they just settled on the idea that if they were going to pull this off, they had to be in one spot. Indianapolis has always been the default site for the Final Four. So if there's some sort of disruption, terrorist attack, whatever, they always know that they can go to Indianapolis. Uh, I mean, the NCAA, no matter what, was going to have a tournament. You know, they lost $375 million with last year's tournament being canceled. They just can't afford for that to happen again. Yes, indeed. The dollars and cents and common sense make it seem we have to have a 2021 NCAA tournament. Our next coach had an interesting perspective on exactly how March Madness should run. So much to get into with the legendary Rick Pitino, the Hall of Famer. If you're old enough, you remember him winning at Providence. If you're young enough, you remember him winning at Kentucky, Louisville. He's now the head basketball coach at Iona back in the game. Coach, first things first. I mean, obviously you were at the NBA with a couple teams. Boston, great success with the Knicks. I mentioned all the college stuff you've been able to do with your championships. So what's it like to be starting all over again at a place that obviously wants you and you want them, but maybe the resources aren't there in the supply that you had with the other gigs. But I guess it's great to be back in basketball anyway. It is. It it reminds me it's a different level altogether. It reminds me a lot of Providence College, except we're not in the Big East. But the one thing I looked at more than anything else is, for me, it's a chance to go back home uh, where it all started for me, uh, back with with the New York Knicks. And Iona, every coach that's been here has had great success, going back to Jim Balbano, to Pat Kennedy, Tim Welsh, Kevin Willard, uh, certainly. Um, I'm sure I'm missing a couple. Uh, Obviously, Tim Clouse, who I replaced, had eight great years with four straight NCAA appearances. I, I think Iona has tremendous potential. Um, it has everything I want in, to finish up my career. And uh, so I'm looking forward to this challenge. Coach P, why, why take this challenge on, though, knowing, the, the, like Zubin said, the resources, the challenges, all of the things that come with taking on eye on a basketball? You know, I, I think it's, it's probably the biggest challenge of my life, and I'm looking for something like that. Uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, I'm 68. Um, God willing, I have six, seven more years of coaching. I'm just as passionate today as I've ever been. And if I could take Iona and build it into a top 20 program, I think it's a great cherry on top of a long career 
And uh, it's the challenge is, 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 and the chase of that challenge is what stimulates me. What's the goal, um, you know, for the first season for this team and the expectations that you have for them? You know, I don't have many goals, but just to get through this season healthy. I, I have great uh, trepidations for everybody in this game right now. I, I think that um, we, we're going to fall into some major, major disruptions, uh, a lot of cancellations. Uh, because and, and the way it has where you, you're sitting out 21 days, 14 days in quarantine, another seven to come back, then then you have to take hot tests. I, I just don't know how we're going to get through this. I, I realize why the NCAA uh, has done certain things. They're hoping that when the campuses are empty coming up right now during this Thanksgiving break until intercession, we can get in as many games as possible. And, yes, that is that is feasible. But come mid-January when the students come back, and we're in flu season, COVID season, it's going to be very difficult. Coach, the other day you said that the season should be pushed back. It should be more of a May madness opposed to a March madness. Why did? Why do you feel that way? Well, two things. The ACC first, uh, two ideas I, I tried to uh, follow up on. One was the ACC coaches came out and said every team should be in the NCAA tournament. I'm all in with that. Nothing to do with Iona. The reason for that is, so many seniors, students, just forget about athletes for now, students have missed out on their senior year. I think for once, for one time in our, in our college lifetime, every team gets in, every senior student now can root for their school. It would be exciting for everybody uh, all the way around to get in the tournament um, because they're going to miss out on their senior year. A lot of athletes are going to miss out on a lot of games and they get the opportunity to play in the NCAA. I thought the ACC coaches had a great suggestion there. Uh, one time, uh, I think it'll be very exciting and a great shot in the arm for college basketball. In terms of uh, what I call uh, May Madness, I think the vaccine, uh, I'm, I'm basing it all on the vaccine. I think the vaccine will be given to the right people in December. I think it will be given to the general public in April. I think come the end of March, beginning of April, we will start to see a, a curve the right way for us. And I think college basketball can get through it and, and just like the NBA, go into that bubble healthy, maybe even have fans in May. I think right now, you know, with, with what we're going to go through in February, March, it's going to be very difficult on all of us. Guys, I just had, we're in quarantine right now. And for 14 days, we didn't have one player test positive. We didn't have one coach test positive. We had one manager and a GA who, who was around the program. We had a shutdown for 14 days. Now we're going to take another week to get the players back in shape. They're not even allowed to go outside in, in, based on New York rules and walk around and get fresh air. So it's, it, it's going to be difficult for a lot of people. And the fact that we haven't pushed it back, we're banking everything on intercession. But come mid-January, end of January, we're going to have some major problems. Coach, you've been in a tournament in Providence, obviously Kentucky, Louisville, record speaks for itself. The NC2A talked about having a tournament sort of inside of a bubble location for the most part, most likely Indianapolis. How do you feel about that? I, I think it's the only way it can survive. I thought that was uh, a great idea. I, I think it's necessary. Uh, I, the NBA is the only professional sport right now that didn't fall into major problems because of the way they did that. Now they did, they have $250 million to make sure that that, that bubble worked. And for us going into it, I think it's the only way it can work. We don't want to 
all of a sudden, you know, Duke as a one seed is playing somebody and uh, they have two guys out and the game has to be canceled. So we've got to protect this tournament. Obviously, that's the big money maker. We can't have, we can't be void of a national champion two years in a row. We've got to get to March somehow and make it work. That's why I thought May Madness was a better idea. Coach, a lot of people don't know this. This is an interesting take. Frank Vogel, my coach at the L.A. Lakers, worked with you as a manager at Kentucky, basically handling film study and doing those sort of things with you. What did it feel like to watch him lead the Lakers to the world title, having to be, knowing that you were a part of his life? You know, Frank wrote me a letter. Uh, he, he met me at the five-star camp. He apparently was a camper there and wrote me a letter that he wanted to learn more about the full court press and uh, he wanted to learn our system and could he be a manager at Kentucky. He said he met me at the five-star camp. I wrote him back and said, listen, Frank, Kentucky is 98% Kentuckians. You're better off looking into Villanova, Seton Hall, St. John's, uh, more familiar territory for you. And he wrote me back and said, no, coach, I, w- I want to come to Kentucky. Came to Kentucky. Became a manager. I started a JV team for Nazi Mohammed just to get him some minutes. He was the 13th man on my 96 championship team. Mm. And he played on the JV team. Then he became a grad assistant and then moved on with me with the Celtics where he's a video coordinator. Frank is very, very similar to Eric Spolstra. They have an awful lot in common in their backgrounds. They're two people that are very humble. It's not about them. It's about the team. They don't want any publicity. They just want the team to win. He is a sheer delight. I sat there, uh, just watched every single minute, texted him about certain suggestions, which I should never have done, and uh, and just just sat there and just relished in in all of it. So happy for him and his family. Long as those suggestions were the games that we won and not the ones that we (laughs) lost, I'm okay with that, Rick. I'm good with that. No, I was talking about the zone, uh, attacking Miami zone, certain things I noticed about it. I'm sure he was laughing when he got the suggestions. It's great stuff. He didn't let geography limit him. For those that don't know, Frank Vogel's a Jersey guy, Southern Jersey, Wildwood, but instead goes to Lexington in the hotbed with Coach. And we should mention, for those that aren't familiar with Iona, it's in New Rochelle, New York, in Westchester County, just outside of New York City. So for those that are listening outside of the tri-state area around the country, you realize why it's so serious and why the team has been in quarantine. It's a great return to college basketball for one of its most famed coaches, a winner at every single stop. Even going back to Hawaii, you have to be old enough to remember Rick at Hawaii, though. I remember that was like Hawaii. coach like in the 70s right weren't you in hawaii oh, like in the 70s duh. that's a that long was, time. Uh, that was you know i signed a professional contract to play in italy and uh, hawaii opened up and hawaii 50 <laughs> just was coming on tv back in the old days with jack lord and i remembered <laughs> everything about it and i hadn't been out of new york very much and new england very much i, I went played at the university of massachusetts and I, I turned down playing professional basketball to go to Hawaii, and it was two at 21 and 22 years of age. It was two terrific years. It's not a, pl- not a bad place to be at that age, that's for sure. Now at the age of 68, a Hall of Famer and back in the game he loves. Coach, thanks very much. Look forward to watching your progress here in year one with the Gales. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Take care of yourself. Stay safe. Uh-huh. Same to you. Great to have Rick Pitino join us. I this didn't morning. know that he coached at Hawaii. Twenty-one, twenty-two, Providence, living on the island. Not bad. Figured, you know, I knew Nick's Providence. You know that whole sure. deal. I'm like, yeah, you were like twelve back then, right? <laughs> I was playing. <laughs> which which part? Uh, which part? Football player. You're twelve in the seventies. <laughs>
Man, be quiet, man. Hawaii Five-0, Colombo reference. Oh, yeah. We're going no, all school back yeah, this morning. They go murder she wrote next. Where are we going with this, man? <laughs> Angela Lansbury <laughs> is joining us next on the show. No, no, she's not. Still to come, Thursday night, all on the line for one team playing one of its biggest games in years. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin with Bart Scott in the house on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thing is one big game in the NFL. Fellas are back. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin, Bart Scott in the house with us this morning on ESPN Radio. Simply put, look, I mean, if you are circling the wagons, as our old colleague, our current colleague, of course, Boomer used to say, if you're circling the wagons for a week 11 game on a Thursday night coming off a short week and you're talking about it being one of the biggest games you've had in years, you know the franchise isn't in a great place. But Arizona is thinking differently. Four days after the miracle Hail Mary, they go to Seattle, a team they've already beaten before, get the win up in the Pacific Northwest tonight. They sweep the season series, game in hand with Seattle, and they wake up tomorrow in first place in the NFC West. And you can only imagine the likely win if Murray balls out and what that would do for his MVP candidacy. Josh Weinfuss, he's one of our NFL Nation reporters. We have one reporter covering every single team in the league, and Josh is our man in the desert opining on what a win tonight would mean for Cliff's kids. In one word, everything. Because if they can sweep the Seahawks, that will give them such a great tiebreaker over them. And that will put them in a position down the road that if the NFC West is close, they're going to be the ones that are going to get the nod at least over the Seahawks. And if they can pull off a game over the Rams, then they're going to hold kind of the ultimate tiebreaker, right? And I think that a a win over Seattle will, will do wonders for this team. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests on the Shell Pennzoil performance line, tongue planted firmly in cheek. If they win tonight and he balls out, I know he misses baseball, but I think you got a pretty good football future. You might want to focus on that. It, it, you know, th- this game is more important, in my opinion, for the Cardinals than it is for the Seahawks. Mm. A lot. Even the way Seattle's backsliding. It, it doesn't matter. Here's why individuality, MVP, changing of the guard within the division. Mm. The franchise hasn't been this way since Kurt Warner. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it's so, all of those sort of things. You came off a, a huge win against the Bills at the end of a game. You carry that momentum in that balloon with all of that air into Seattle, a team that you've beaten twice now, consecutive, last year, and then again this year in Arizona. You clip them a third time. But if the, for whatever reason, you have a stinker, the air is let out of the balloon. There goes all of the things that I just mentioned. Right. It goes right back into the shelf. And guess what we say 
Friday morning. Eh, same old yeah, Same old Cardinals. I told you. Told you yeah. that offense wasn't going to work. Told you this and that. That's what we'll be saying. Thick neck will be calling in, bashing the offense, talking about we do this on the defense. Wrong. Huh? When keeping the real goals wrong, baby. You know. Yeah, so, I mean, to. that's kind of what it is. I, I want to see them win because I think it's a great story mm-hmm. and it would be fun to watch how it all unfolds. But I don't know if they're going to win. I know that they beat them in the past. I like Carlos Dunlop bringing some pressure. I like the fact that Jamal Adams is back there in the secondary who's a sure tackler. I like the fact that Seattle's defense has been torched and their backs are against the wall and they have now have to answer the bell. I, I like all of those sort of subplots. The one thing that's missing, the 12th man. Right. That, that it's nobody in the stands. The only thing that the, the Seahawks can hope for is a little rain. Like this, this is the thing, right? This is how important this game is. Arizona's first right now, but they can drop all the way to third just within the division because I still believe that the Rams are the best team in that division. I do too. I think they're the most complete team in the division. And the problem is somebody has to win the NFC East. (laughs) So when you go there, you talk about staying pace, you can drop from being a divisional winner to maybe being on the outside looking in within the playoff situation because when you go to the NFC South – you have, you know, New Orleans got seven. They're seven and two. The Buccaneers are seven and three. So you, you would think that both of those teams are going to get in. You think that maybe two teams from your own division are going to get in. You can be one of those teams like we see every once in a while. I know they expanded the playoffs. Well, don't forget about you, don't forget about a hot Minnesota team that's still trying to stay afloat right. within the conference. You know, you can't forget about them. They're not going to go away anytime soon. Well, well, Green Bay will win that division. But what I'm saying is, when you, when it comes to you know, we've seen every once in a while when divisions are so great and you have one that's bad in the East where somebody wins it with a sub 500 yeah, record. Right. But then what happens is when you have you know other teams that get two win, you can have a you can be a 10 win um, team. Oh, you're going on the road. And, and that, no, you can be a 10 win team and not even make the playoffs. We've seen that happen the one year that Brady got hurt in the East. But and, remember, and they were eleven and five. Remember, there's seven teams. I know, this I, know year. I, I know that, and it, it, it's right on the cusp. I mean, because they can get caught. So that's how important this is. Because if you got three in your own division that has six wins tied, that's three. Then you know somebody has to win NFC East. That's four. You have New Orleans five, Tampa six, Green Bay seven. You know, if if, if you if you you know fall a little bit. You can go from feeling the high of saying, hey, we can win a division to finding yourself looking at the playoffs from home. Well, or, or find yourself. I, I, I think that most likely if they don't win a division, it's going to be a wild card situation. They're going to be on the road. It, it's just what it's going to be. <laughs> Two things we should mention. Key's point, the Vikings are on fire. They've won three in a row. Their next three games all at home, Dallas, Dallas Carolina, Jacksonville. So that three-game winning streak could become a six-game winning streak. And I think the point – Bart was trying to make, and I think it's a great one. If you don't win the NFC West, you could be no higher than the five seed because right. the Eagles or the Giants yeah. or whoever has yes. to get the four they seed. So you're so on the road. Win the division, five at best, five at best. So I think that's something important. You're to keep on in the mind. road, and when you're a West Coast team, that can be a lot of travel, and that that can yeah. usually be the difference when you, you talk about East Coast playing on a, you know West Coast playing on East Coast time slot. You're on the road. And you could be playing the Giants in MetLife Stadium in January in snow and cold and everything. Yeah. Or you could be freezing with Cayenne Pepper and your cliques playing in Green Bay. You don't know about that, Cayenne Pepper. Can I say goodbye Man, to Man, that stuff Mark? don't work. I got a little kid I've been wanting to say goodbye to all day. Hi, Monarch. I, I know you. I appreciate you and all the support. Yeah, that Cayenne Pepper doesn't work. <laughs>
Doesn't work. It soaks, it soaks in your skin, though, man. It, it, it does not work. Start smelling like hot sauce. Keith. Put Vaseline you all like in your sauce? body in the cold. That stuff. You got some in your trucks when they get cold on the East Coast, right? Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at six Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.